the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to our second half, and I am so thrilled, and you are, as I said, you're not going to want to miss him. I'm here with Eric Feldman, who is a reporter at Spectrum News, New York Channel One, and Eric is a, uh, an accomplished journal- journalist. He's filed reports for stations such as News 12, Westchester, KSDK in St. Louis, Wish in Indianapolis, and so many others. His reporting has been recognized by colleagues, and he has won the New York Press Club and Emmy Awards. And I'm thrilled to have you on on Eye on Real Estate. Thank you so much. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, Dottie. Eric, you know, you report on real estate and a lot of other things, but what are you seeing today in the market? What are some of the big, big buzz, sensitive things that you're you're seeing and of course, we, we always talk about New York and the high rents and the housing shortage, which is really becoming a problem. Give us your read on what's going on in New York and, 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 and the housing and, and what's happening. Well, with the, with the housing, um, you know, certainly rents have been, have been going up, and some of the latest data shows that they're hitting new highs, whether you want to look at the metric from average rent or from median rent. The average rent is over $5,500 now. Uh, the median rent is $4,400 a month. And they've been going up since since the pandemic and trying to find a way to curb what everyone I talk to is is calling a, a housing crisis. There isn't just one, one simple solution, as you simply know. Um, the thing that everyone seems to agree on is that we need more, more housing. We need more apartment units for people to to live in and more units that are affordable now whether uh how many we need it's up it's up to each person to to come to that determination i've heard we we could need tens of thousands of units uh, the mayor in the last several months has said his goal is 500,000 new uh, units over the next 10 years so that would be about 50,000 per year uh and he recently came out with with some proposals on on ways to convert uh, office buildings, uh, sparsely used office buildings into apartments, which is a topic in a in an area that not only we're seeing discussed in New York City, but it's something that other municipalities are are talking about as well. Is this a way to try to utilize space that isn't as well used as it was before the pandemic uh, to try to 
fill that need for housing that we have not only here in New York City, but as I said, a lot of municipalities are struggling with as well. The challenge is that some of the things that the mayor wants to do, it's not only up to the city to pass, it's up to Albany as well. Oh, so that's kind of a, a stumble. I mean, that's kind of difficult. I mean, I see him now even with the, you know, with all the illegal immigrants and, you know, I don't know how New York can accommodate. I know we're a sanctuary city, but I, I just don't know how much they can, you know, they're filled all over and I know he's asked for help and hasn't gotten it. So, um, so what is, what are you saying that there were, I mean, like, I know that some of the, uh, commercial buildings are, you know, not utilized and I don't think they'll be ever utilized to the same capacity because, I've read a lot of the different things on whether, uh, you know, work at home is here to stay or not. And I, you know, right. just my read on it is, well, people need to and, and want to get out to, to go to the office. But I don't think it's going to be five days a week if they if they can help it. I, you know, so that means, you know, maybe um, landlords don't uh, companies don't need to take the space. Are they looking to convert some of that commercial space to residential or is that, you know, but the, 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 all the red tape and it seems like to me almost impossible. Right. Right. So, so that, so about 20, 30 years ago, the city took action and the state took action to try to make it easier to convert buildings in the financial district where the vacancy rate was, I think like 25% in the nineties and early two thousands. And if you look at the number of buildings that have actually been converted in New York City, almost half of them have happened in the financial district. And part of that is because they changed some of the rules and regulations to make it easier for these developers to come in, take these buildings that are ripe for conversion and actually make it a reality. So that's something that people have wondered, can that be replicated in other parts of the city? But as I mentioned, it isn't always just up to the city there is some there is a portion of this where the state has to come in and also greenlight some of these proposals and some of these regulations, deregulating some things, uh, making it easier uh, in terms of zoning for uh, some of these buildings to be converted. Because there are some portions of the city where you're simply not allowed to take a building that's right now sanctioned, whether it's for it could be for manufacturing, it could be for commercial, whatever it is. It's just you're not allowed to make it residential right now. So there are a variety of proposals that the mayor has has put out there to try to make it easier in certain sections of the city. He focused recently in Midtown, where he thinks that there is a lot of opportunity for these conversions to happen. Another issue that they face is uh, the having it takes at least six months, could take a year in order to get. Um, everything in order in terms of the the regulations and uh, all the permits you need to have these conversions possible. So the city is right now looking to create not a new agency, but try and streamline the process for the, the, these developers to make it easier for the, from the permitting perspective, because you need to involve several different agencies to make this possible. And when I've talked to developers about this, they said, absolutely, this is a major problem that we face. It, it, it reduces, it, it extends the amount of time that it already, and it's already a lengthy period of time. It can take 18, Absolutely. 24 months at minimum to make these conversions possible. And when you're just waiting for all the permits that you need in order to make this a reality, 
you know, you're losing money, right? Every day that you're not, that you're not, that you have a building that's empty, uh, <laughs> it doesn't help the developer. But how quickly do you, th- I mean, I just, I, I don't want to be negative, but I just, you know, and I, I, I'm part of the, you know, I'm on Rebney, the real estate board of New York. And so we work with the mayor and the developers are all there, but it seems like it's just kind of such a, a lot of red tape to go through. And I think that New York city really, um, would really benefit like for everybody by being able to be a little bit more affordable. Cause it's really, you know, prohibitive. I mean, you know, it's always been expensive, but it's really hard now. I mean, when you think $5,500 is an average rent, uh, that's steep. It is. And that, and some people argue that this is really a supply and demand issue that we need more supply. And if we have more, more apartments available, that that will help reduce the rent. And look, as you said, New York city is an expensive city to live in and it's never going to be cheap. extremely cheap, but no. that it could maybe drop down from these record levels that we're at right now. So that's one argument that's been made. The question that that I've heard from people in the real estate industry, from developers, from people who study this is, all right, you're making your if you add more units, it's not just about adding more units necessarily. It's about making more units that are affordable, because uh, if you have luxury units that are that are the only ones that are coming to the market, is that really going to lower the median rent? Well, they had, That's you the know, that eighty twenty thing. That if you were a developer, and you um, and twenty, I, I think I could be wrong on the number, but I think it was about twenty percent became affordable apartments in the building you were building. You got some great incentives for it. Um, they've so that's, got a, that's something that the developers are talking about, that they're going to need incentives. Because obviously, look, the developers are going to do what they what they can make money on, right? Of course. Like, they're, they're not looking to lose money on, on their properties. So uh, it all comes down to what the cost is and how much they can bring in uh, in terms of revenue. So... <laughs> The, the developers I've talked to have said that some sort of subsidy is likely going to be needed to be put in place in order to incentivize the rents to be in that more affordable range that we're looking at. I believe that. Now, in, in coupled with that, I believe they're looking at doing congestion, congestion uh, uh, traffic where you have to pay. The congestion pricing, the, yeah. Yeah. Now, doing that will even make it more expensive and – for people that can't afford it as it is, they will have to move further. So they definitely have to move out of the city and it's going to cost them more to come into the city. So it's really, uh, it's really a, a, a difficult problem. And so in your, you know, in your research and, 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 and what do you see? Do you think it's feasible that we'll start to get this moving? To get prices, to get real estate prices lower. Well, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. But I think you know, do we? Do you think that you're going to see legislation happen sooner than later? Because it feels to me like you know everything takes so long, and it has to go through so many different. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great question, and obviously, it's front of mind for a lot of people. Anyone who's looking for a new apartment, and and I know people who've been on the housing market trying to find a, a new apartment in, in New York City. And 
And, and I've heard how challenging it can be, and I've heard how stressful it can be and how expensive it is and how competitive it is. So certainly it's safe to assume that, that our elected officials are hearing about this, and, and you don't need to look far in terms of headlines to see these new records being broken. So what is it going to take to have some sort of compromise between the city and Albany to have some of these proposals that require both sides to participate what it will take, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, the rents are, are as high as they've ever been, and, and nothing has happened. And we heard last session at the State House that this was one of the top priorities. Nothing ended up coming of it. So I think it's going to really come down to uh, the compromise, right, that, that it usually takes. What, what are people willing to, to give in in terms of what their priorities are in order to try to make something happen uh, for the for the greater city, uh, for, for even the suburbs where, uh, you know, uh, housing prices are also uh, quite high, maybe not as high as in the, uh, in the heat of the pandemic, but they, they haven't really come down that much, even though mortgage rates have been uh, rising substantially over the past year. So I think the question is going to be, where is that co- compromise going to come in? What is it going to take for people who, who have their own objectives to come in, maybe back off of them a bit to, uh, to try to come up with a, with a solution? Yeah, otherwise we're just going to be in kind of a stalemate. Uh, let me ask you something. Now, how did you get into this business, and how did you choose to report on real estate? Was there anything that – I mean, I think that, the, you know, ultimately everyone – all everyone wants is to be able to, to live somewhere that they're happy, that they feel safe, comfortable, can afford. And so often, especially since 2019, 2020 – we're hearing more and more about people who are having to spend so much of their of their income to just live where they want to be. And it's not just a unique problem. It's happening to more and more people. So it's it can be a challenge, obviously, as a television journalist to 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 tell these stories in ways that are visually compelling. But I love that challenge. I think that it's an important issue. It affects every single person. Uh what the prices are for not only for rentals, but for, for our homes as well. So, uh, you know, I think that sometimes we need to, to embrace difficult stories, challenging stories, complicated stories. Uh, I've had a a lot of experience covering uh, local government, um, state government. And when I was approached by my bosses at, at New York one about trying to tackle some of these, these issues, um, I embraced it wholeheartedly. Oh, I, I give you credit because we really need we need people to embrace it and bring it to people's attention. And then I I tell all our listeners, listen, you know, it's one thing to complain and say, oh, prices are so high. We can't find anything. The rentals are high. The prices of, of, of co-ops and condos are high. Uh, but just talking about it really isn't an answer. And so then people say, well, what can I do? I'm one person. Well, if everybody starts to write, you know, write to your congressman, write to, you know, the mayor, just write. Uh, Because it really, New York is, look, New York City is New York City. And I absolutely believe they have really, uh, in so many crises have come out. Look at what happened after 9-11. If you go back to 9-11, uh, after 9-11, nobody wants to live downtown, and um, nobody wants to live in high floors. And I had Governor Pataki on during the ex, you know, during uh, 
this year, 9-11, and I said, what did you do to get people back? And he said, I gave huge incentives to renters and companies. He said, and there were companies that really didn't, were afraid to go downtown, and I gave them um, security. The city paid for the security, so the buildings were secure. And if you look at downtown now, and the financial district, you know, where the World Trade Center was, uh, it's 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 become so much more thriving than it was before nine eleven. Uh, but yeah, it was it's very different. Yeah, but it was a matter of really working and giving incentives to people, and I think that that has to happen uh, again. Uh, you know, I think that that really has to really happen, okay? Because otherwise, people just will have to move out and there is really not an a, not a surplus of inventory because don't forget if anybody bought during the uh pandemic when the mortgage rates were two or three percent or if they were two and a half three percent which was unheard of in my lifetime um those people are like have golden handcuffs they're not selling you know so there's a really shortage of supply on top of everything else yeah, that's right. And, and I'll tell you something else that I'm looking at. It's going to, I think, develop over the next few years. But with the commercial real estate market, it's been heavily impacted by the hybrid workforce, as you were talking about. So many right. more people who are, who are opting to work at home or whose companies are allowing them to work from home more. The values of these buildings have just been decimated. So something that I'm interested in looking at is, when these building owners have to refinance, uh, the, the mortgage rates are higher, their revenue numbers are down. In some of these areas that have been harder hit, where maybe it's not a Class A building, maybe it's a Class B, Class C, what are they going to do with the property? What's going to end up happening with that? Could the value be so much lower that someone who wants to do these conversions that can be expensive could come in and swoop in and take a building uh, at, at a discount and, and do the conversion in a way where, you know, the subsidies may not be as necessary because the value of the building has been devalued to such a point where it just makes sense to come in and do something. Well, that could be, and that's going to hurt the people who have the buildings. But I, I, I don't, I look, I don't have an answer. And I, but I think it, 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 it requires a lot of people putting their minds together, and as you said, you know, not trying to get everything you want, trying to compromise and, you know, somebody will take a little less here, somebody will take a little less there, uh, and basically for the good of the city and for the good of everyone that lives here. Uh, Because really, uh, you know, New York, you, you know, is New York City is New York City. And I said to Governor Pataki, I said, well, I said, um, New York City always comes back. And he said, well, yeah, but we also have to change the bail laws Um, and make it a little bit more strict as far as, you know, people committing crimes. But when people don't come into work every day in a building, it affects the merchants, the stores, it affects the restaurants, it affects everything. So um, I'd love to hear what... Maybe you found one of the most interesting stories that you ever reported on after the break. And by the way, and I'll give you all Eric's information, and I'm going to post it on my site so that you can reach him. 
um, and get more information. But we'll be right back with Eric Feldman after the break. We all know summer is coming to an end, which means Invite Health is having our annual Labor Day buy one, get one free sale. The sale is on now. Buy any Invite Health product at suggested retail and get the second bottle free. Say hello to the change of seasons the right way by learning more about how to stay healthy from me, Dr. Amanda Williams, right here on AM 970 The Answer. Listen to past shows and informative podcasts all at invitehealth.com. Give us a call to order by phone or to speak with a degreed healthcare professional seven days a week at 800 6 That's 800-673-2345. Visit invitehealth.com for our retail locations and to set up a free nutritional consultation in person, by phone, or by video. Take advantage of Invite's limited time, buy one, get one free Labor Day sale. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That number again, 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. Invite Health, get healthy, stay healthy. This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. You have all helped support my pillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with deals on his most popular products. You've heard me recently speak about the My Slippers, Giza Sheets, My Pillow 2.0, and more. Great news! The My Pillow six-pack bath towel sets are back in stock. They are extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regular price is $79.98 for a limited time. You can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code P. That's a 50% savings. Go to MyPillow.com. Call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code P to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. Cats and Cosby. Weeknights at 5 on AM 970. The Answer. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back and we're here uh, with Eric Feldman. And by the way, you can find Eric on Twitter at Eric S. Feldman, Instagram at Eric Feldman TV, and Facebook at Eric Feldman, and I will post this all on my site so that if you are driving or something and you don't have a pen, that you can um, get this information. Um, Eric, 
I'm, I'm so thrilled. I hope that you come on again. But before we leave, I was just curious. What is the what is the story that what is one of the most interesting stories that you've ever that you've reported on? You know, it's and I'm sure that's I would tough. say it, it's hard. I'm, I'm trying to give it some thought. I'll tell you a few that that have stood out since I've I've come to New York. One, uh, it was last year, just over a year ago. They they sent me down to uh, to Uvalde, to Texas, in the wake of the mass shooting at Rob Elementary, oh. and um, one of the the parents of one of the children who who died in her classroom. He he opened up his home to us, and he showed us all her artwork that he, that she had been working on the binders and binders of, of art that she had been doing. She had just won actually an award from the school for an anti-bullying piece of artwork that she had done. Um, And just having him open up his home in such a difficult time and feeling comfortable sharing his daughter's story and something about his daughter that was so important, not only to them that they really they 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 told her to pursue but something that she loved and giving our viewers a sense into who she who she was was so important i thought and, and that must i was just really appreciative it yeah you know it, the the tough thing when you're when you're down there on a covering a story like that it's not only the stories that that people tell you on camera but it's the stories that people tell you off camera that they're not comfortable sharing. I had one gentleman who, who lived a block away who told me that he actually saw the, the gunman uh, approaching the school and he did a double take. He didn't, he did not believe what he was seeing and he went inside to go get his own gun. And when he came back out, he didn't see anyone. He thought he was, seeing something. He, he was like, there, there's no way what I just saw was actually happening. And then he heard the shots fired inside the school and he started to run to the school. And one of his neighbors stopped him and said, we just called the police. Don't run in. We just called the police. They're going to get here. And as we know, what happened now is the police waited for a very long time to go into, into the classrooms. And he told me that every night he went to the memorial outside of the elementary school and he apologized to the children oh, and it just broke my heart that yeah. the, the trauma he felt the guilt he felt and it's not something he felt comfortable sharing on on camera but it's something that you hear as a journalist and sometimes when you're on these stories you're not only they're reporting you're almost part psychologist too you're hearing people's stories you're hearing their own trauma, their own, their own guilt. And in a moment like that, you have to be a human being too, and you have to be a source of comfort. And it's, uh, it's certainly one of the most memorable experiences I've had. It was one of the most difficult experiences I had, especially, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time. We have a, a young daughter and just thinking, having that, that sort of perspective going into the story that, these parents lost lost children and knowing that I was about to be a a father uh, it certainly affected how I went down there and approached the coverage and approached speaking to these families uh, in in their truly darkest hours that's one story and one experience that certainly 
stands out. Um, happy to, to share more if you would like, um, but that's one that, that definitely uh, I, I will never forget. And, and I have to give credit to my bosses at New York One. You know, when, they, when I came back, I'd spent about a week down there. They were extremely attentive to, to my own mental health and to my needs, and they made sure to check in with me and make sure that I was doing okay because it is such a heavy story. And covering that day in, day out, you know, it's one, I can't even imagine what it was like to, to live in Uvalde or in the many communities that deal with these, these horrible tragedies. Uh, but but being immersed in it for five or six days, you know, it, was, it, it, it certainly takes a toll. So yeah. I, I have to give a, a lot of credit to my bosses for making sure that they, uh, for, for them making sure that I was okay and asking me if I was okay. Yeah, and a lot of credit to you because, as you said, I don't think people realize, I mean, that had to take a toll on you. And also, it probably helped that man just to be able to talk to somebody about it. Not that it changed anything, but sometimes when you're able to just talk and talk about the person and what happened, it sometimes gives you a little bit of a a relief or an outlet. I just said I Everyone grieves in different ways, yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, there's so many things going on today. I just wonder where it's all going. No, I, I, I really want to tell you, Eric, you've been wonderful, wonderful having you on. And I could spend another hour. So I hope you'll come back on our show again <laughs> and uh, continue telling us about what's going on in New York City and some other stories that you, you find very interesting. And thank you so much for being a guest on our show. You really were great. I've had a million emails and texts that saying, oh, God, they, they, loved, they loved hearing from you. So thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I hope to be on again soon. Good. And have a good weekend. You too. You too. Thank you. Be well. Right. Um, and I guess I will post everything about Eric on my site so that you can, um, I'll, you know, give you all the information so that you can follow him. It's, uh, I'm kind of, in a, you know, just thinking about that whole situation in Texas kind of just took its toll on me. Uh, so let me get back to uh, high-end real estate, although I just have to take a deep breath and say, gosh, you know, sometimes I wonder what's going on in this world. Um, with that, um, we're going to get back to business, and uh, I have uh, someone who's been on our show uh, many a day. Uh, he's a, a financial expert. He's uh, somebody that I use, and I think that he really knows the mortgage business inside and out. And that's Thomas Drew. Tom. Good morning, Dottie. How Good are you morning. this fine day? Well, I was fine. And then, of course, I'm listening to the story, and he relived Texas, you know, and I just, you know, just took me back to what happened in Texas. And, you know, it kind of just hit me again. You know, you sometimes we sometimes we forget, you know, some things like, you know, and I, not that you ever can forget that, but he just brought it up, and it kind of just, took me back a second thinking, you know, I have a daughter and just that whole situation. But anyway, we were talking about the city and what's going on with the city. And we were talking about, uh, you know, the rents being $5,500 as an average rent. And not only here, but, I, you know, Jonathan Miller did his market reports. And so, you know, there's... Um, even though interest rates, and we'll talk about that in a second, even though interest rates have gone up, uh, my my thoughts are it's only interest rates because that three percent interest rate was like an anomaly. I I 
I've been around a long time. I've never heard of it since the pandemic. Uh, but I think there's also a shortage of, 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 of listings and inventory around the country. So what are mortgage rates currently? Yeah, so uh, they're trading in a range, I would say, you know, in the past few months, anywhere between high sixes and mid sevens. And it's sort of this volatile move between, you know, and within that range. So I tell people, look, you know, let's, let's, I guess, plan for the worst, but hope for the best when it comes to rates and it comes to time to lock in. But, uh, you know, listen, it, it, I think you've mentioned this many a times, Dottie. Um, you know, that's the 7.5% or somewhere in the low 7 range really is historically uh, around the average, right? Yeah. And uh, it's not something to get, you know, I guess uh, overwhelmed by, right? You just have to look at, you no. know, what's affordable in your range, really. It's that's not, what it boils down to. But, you know, Tom, I read so many articles and they're like, oh, my God, you know, the mortgage rates have gone up so high. And I'm thinking, well... Really? I mean, I probably paid, I think it was 15%, and I might have gotten an 11% arm, five-year arm, or something of that nature. So uh, I think it's more than, I think there's a lack of inventory, and I think that during the pandemic, that was an anomaly, you know? That, you know, was, a, I mean, I never heard of 3% interest rates before then. Uh, do you see the rates, do you see the rates, like, finally staying around the same, or do you see them going up? Well, look, I think that's the that's the the uh, the sixty four thousand dollar question, right? Like, yeah. I, I think we've, in my opinion, I think we've capped. I think we've kind of hit the ceiling, and yeah, I think that's we're true. sort of bouncing along there, right? And uh, depending on some of the data points that come out with the Fed does on a go forward, will determine how long it takes for them to come back down again. Uh, but I do think eventually they will, right? So, you know, I tell people, look, if you're if you need to buy a house right now, like this is a, a need for whatever's happening in your life, whatever's going on, you know, you know fulfill that need. And then when rates come down uh, in the next year or so, just refinance, right? Like don't get so overwhelmed by, you know, trying oh. to uh, find things perfectly, right? You just do what you need to do. And, and historically, you'll have that opportunity to refinance. Let me say this to everyone. You can't time the market. If you're out there buying and you find a house that you love and you qualify, you should buy it. There's no way you should wait and hope that interest rates go down because you can't time a market. When we come back, I'm going to have Tom explain how you can buy down your rate to have a lower rate because there is a way you can do that. A lot of people don't know about it and Thomas Drew from Citizens is going to tell you how you can buy down a mortgage and get a lower rate. You're not going to want to miss that. Back with Thomas Drew right after a quick commercial. Bay Ridge Honda is kicking off the fall season by saving you $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. They have been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Your Honda dealer serving the five 
Burroughs. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award-winning dealership. And right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, you're going to receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy from Bay Ridge Honda, they will buy your car from you. So visit Bay Ridge Honda at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 9-30-2023. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. This decade is looking like the worst one to retire or be retired in. Now more than ever, you need to stay ahead of turbulent markets and money-grubbing politicians. That's why you need Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch. For more than 30 years, Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch has been helping Americans invest, protect, and grow their assets. A Retirement Watch subscription gives you must-have advice on all aspects of your retirement. Independent advice you won't get anywhere else. When you subscribe to Retirement Watch, you'll get three months of Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch newsletter. You'll also get Bob's five model portfolios and five free reports including the hidden rules of retirement, hidden real estate tax bombs to avoid, cashing in on Congress's $350,000 retirement shocker, plus two more free reports, and an exclusive conference call with Bob Carlson answering your retirement questions. The newsletter, free reports, the conference call, all for just $19.95. Sign up today at yourretirementwatch.com, yourretirementwatch.com. That's yourretirementwatch.com. AM 970, The Answer. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're here with Thomas Drew from Citizens Bank, and he's going to talk. We're talking about mortgage rates, and we basically said that even though they're about seven and a half now, that that really, obviously, if you look at 3%, it's a big rise, but 3% was just an anomaly during the pandemic. They really average. But you can, if you want to have payments that are less, you can buy down a mortgage. Um, Tom, can you tell our listeners how they can buy down a mortgage and maybe who it would, you know, who would, who would be good for and how that's done? Yeah, sure. So I would, I would say that uh, buyers are, it's more psychological than anything else. They're looking to get rates down into the 6% range, right? Or, or mid sixes. And I tell everyone that I speak to, I'm like, you know, that is an option. You can do that. Um, you do need to prepay interest at closing. Uh, in the terminology we use is discount points. 
That is a percentage of the loan amount that you pay at closing to lower your interest rate for the term of the loan. So for instance, uh, let's say, you know, today's rate without any points on a 30 year fixed for argument's sake would be say 7.375. And if you said, well, I'm willing to pay one point up front at closing, what would that get in terms of an interest rate? It buys it down to just below 7%. So I tell people, okay, if that's what you really want, it's going to make you feel better because a lot of times it's, there's not a huge difference in the monthly payment, say between 7.375 and 6.875. But if that's important to you, this is what it will cost at closing. And I guess one of the benefits of doing that, it is considered prepaid interest. So it is tax deductible in many cases um, when you go to file your returns. Um, they look at that and say, hey, that's a um, an interest payment on the mortgage. And you can write that off if you itemize you know, your, your taxes. So, uh, you know, we can go through a bunch of different scenarios, but generally speaking, adjustable rate mortgages have a much better buy down, or if you pay a point, you much, you get a much lower rate than if you don't versus say a fixed rate mortgage. The adjustable so rate makes sense. Just a so what you're saying is that for, first of all, for people who are, are not familiar with the terminology, a point is a percentage of your mortgage amount that you're borrowing. And so that point would vary based on the amount of mortgage you were taking, correct? Of course, yeah. So in instance, one point equals 1% of the mortgage, uh, the loan amount. So if you're taking a $500,000 mortgage, one point would be $5,000 that you'd pay at closing. Okay, so let's just use that $500,000 mortgage since that's simple. Um, so if you paid a point up front, that means at the closing table, you would pay $5,000. You would reduce your interest rate, correct? That is correct. For the remainder of your mortgage amount. If it was 20, if it was 30 years, then it'd be 30 years. But what Tom is saying is it works better on adjustable mortgages. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly. So that one point or 1% of the loan amount, they buy the rate down more than half a percent at uh, at closing, right? Versus say a fixed rate. And so I, I tell people like, let's look at all the options, right? Um, because look, if your plan is to refinance in the next couple of years, uh, a fixed rate, you may just be paying a higher rate uh, for no reason, right? So hey, let's look at the adjustable rate. You can do up to a 10 year adjustable where the rate's fixed for 10 years. And you know, here, here's what that point buys you down, you know, feels, it feels better seeing a lower rate, right, at closing, but you have to have a little bit of a strategy behind it too, right? Say, hey, this is going to be my rate for the next year or two, and I'm going to refinance out of it. So um, we try to really give everybody all the options and help them make but the decision me, that works for them. Yeah, but let me explain to some of you, especially uh, if you're a first-time buyer, uh, if you take an adjustable mortgage, you can get a 10-year adjustable, correct? That is correct. And about what would those rates be on a 10, approximately? So, yeah, so they're about uh, half a percent lower than a 30-year fixed right now, right? If you're going with zero points, it's about a half a percent lower. So it's uh, a little and bit that lower. Would be, yeah, and then if you add on, you know, the factor of paying a point on either one, you would – 
much you would get a much lower rate on an adjustable rate mortgage versus the 30-year fixed if so, still willing to pay that one point. Yeah, so you might end up with something like uh, maybe six or a little under six. But let me say this. Now, when you're thinking about doing that, remember something. You know, it depends. You have, Every circumstance is different, so you can't give blanket information. You can't say this one size fits all. So let's say you're young and you're starting your job and you're just married or you're just uh, getting out to the world. More than likely, your income is probably going to increase in 10 years. So, you know, you kind of look at where you are in life and what you... And again, no one has a crystal ball, so no one knows 100%. Uh, but I would, I would say that if you were, like, older and you were getting ready to retire and you wanted to buy a, a, a house or you wanted to buy this dream house, you might not want to do that because maybe you wouldn't think your income is going to go up. So it's something that you should talk to Tom and your mortgage professionals about, but you should, you should look at a, 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 a lot of different options. I know if I didn't take an adjustable mortgage when I first bought my first house, I couldn't, I couldn't have, and I couldn't afford much, but it really made a difference. And I sold the house eventually before it, 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 it went up. So I think people have to really take the time because I think everyone just knows about a fixed mortgage and whether an adjustable mortgage is right or not, it really depends on your circumstances. Uh, yeah, Donnie, that's great advice. It absolutely is. And, and for the most part, you know, the majority of people still do take a fixed rate mortgage, right? If you look at the uh, stats, but there is an increasing number of individuals who are looking and planning and say, hey, an adjustable rate mortgage does make sense, especially uh, the 10-year adjustable rate mortgage, because they're looking at the cycle of interest rates and again, a little more complex here. You know, usually within 10 years, rates go up and they come back down again, right? So uh, that usually helps plan for uh, those possibilities. Right, but you also have to look at where you are in life. Well, you know, if you're just starting out, if you think you're going to do better, if you're just starting your career, if you are at the end of your career and you're thinking of retiring, that might not be, an adjustable might not be the answer for you. But what what's really important is that when you're going to look for houses, before you even start, you should meet with Tom or somebody from his group and... Really discuss, take the time to discuss the different options. Uh, we don't have time to discuss all the different types of mortgages there are today, but I would love, Tom, for one day that you come back and briefly we really start to talk about there's so many different types of mortgages you can take. Yeah, absolutely. And even for first-time home buyers, right, I think that's um they're becoming a, a very large portion of, of home buyers these days, or the first time home buyers. And there are some great programs out there available uh, to them. And I would love to, you know, maybe highlight a couple of them on the show and uh, you know, give people some, some real valuable information that they might be able to use themselves. So that would be a great, uh, a great subject on our next, our next show. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think when I grew up, there was only, or at least when I was really young, there was like a, you know, a conventional mortgage. There's a VA mortgage, which obviously you don't have to put money down if you were in the uh, 
military, and then it's an FHA mortgage, which is insured by the government, and uh, you can probably have a a little bit. You, you your credit score might be a little off, but you can probably still get that, and you can put three to five percent down. So there's so many different options, but you really have to know. Um, and it's a big investment. I just really feel it's so important to take the time to see a mortgage professional first. And I, that'll help you when you purchase your home because when you're, when you're purchasing your home and you have to make an offer to the seller, Tom, you give somebody the pre-qualifications or a pre-approval, excuse me, saying that they are qualified for X amount of money, correct? That's correct. That yep. sounded, That's based- but- yeah, based on their income, assets, and credit, right? Which is why it's so important to uh, to have all that reviewed long before you're going to make an offer, so that we can, you know, potentially help you be the best possible candidate to make that offer, right? In terms of your credit and your debt and um, all those things that a lender is going to look at when it comes time to issue a commitment. So I tell people it's never too early to plan for that. Because you never know when you're going to find the right house, right, Dottie? Like you're just Absolutely. you're looking you all the time. You walk in, you walk in, you're like, oh my god, this is it. Well, if you're not prepared, uh, you may miss that opportunity. So yeah. the sooner the better, in my my opinion. And not only that, when you're able to tell the seller, and you can tell your broker, listen, I have been pre-approved for a mortgage, and you'll get a you can get a paper that tells you that from the bank. Well, that makes the seller know that you are qualified for a mortgage. Because sellers, if somebody gives you a high offer, but they haven't been pre-qualified, you know, you're gambling on whether they get the mortgage or not. So I think, Tom, you've got to come back. I really, in the middle of, there's so much I'd love to talk about because it really can make a big difference in your payments and your qualifying and how you get into the housing market. Oh, I guess the time is over already. It goes so quick. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll be back. And, Tom, you'll come back on again, I hope. Please. I would love to. Thanks, Dottie. You have a great weekend. I'll post Tom's information on my website so you can get a hold of him if you need to talk to him. Have a great weekend, everybody. Back next week. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. 
Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.